presents Welcome to episode 17 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. My name is Gabe Sachs, and I just flipped out when you said 17. I was like, 17? I, I flipped out. Yes, I flipped out saying it. Saying it. It somehow seems much larger than last week's number. It really does. 17's like, you know, going towards the 20s, if my calculations oh, are correct. So yeah. when do we quit, Gabe? When are we done? I don't think we can quit. I think we do. This is what I honestly think. If either of us are on location... Or yeah. in the middle, we are going to go into a dressing room. We are going to go into a trailer. Yes. We are going to go into anywhere. It, it, even it's 50 degrees below zero, we are going to record this. I see that happening. Yeah, and it I would see clear our heads. It would clear our heads yes. from what we're dealing with normally. We also owe it to the fans. Right. I mean, I got to say, you know, we did our episode two weeks ago responding to uh, all the emails and DMs from the legions. And the legions have followed up yes, on the conversations that we continued. And I just got to tell you, the community of people that is growing up around this podcast, it's so gratifying. You guys are so great. And the validation we've gotten from y'all, it's just, we're not used to it, really. No. <laughs> we're not used to this. That's the truest statement ever. We are not, <laughs> yeah. we are not used to it. Uh, we would be used to it if you followed all those nice comments by saying, but there's a couple things I'd like you to change. Then we'd yeah. be used to that. <laughs> what is the what is the stock phrase that? Oh, I, it just came to me that when they read your draft, right, and you have the notes call, mm -hmm. the first line from the executive is always a lot of good stuff here. A lot of good stuff here. A lot of good stuff. Here. <laughs> There's uh, the bones are here. The bones yeah. of the things are here. It's and a I, good start. Yep. And I think the tiny inkling of the concept that you discussed uh, might be in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's very encouraging. We've never heard anyone say to us with that tone, a lot of good stuff here. When they say a lot of good stuff here, they might actually mean it. Yeah. Yeah. Ha. So thank you all once again for getting us this far to episode 17. It just, it is your validation and joy that keeps us going. And here we are. We're here. We're here. And we are doing yet another episode that we have threatened to do. <laughs> I actually think maybe all the way back to episode one. This is true. If you can believe that. Yes. Gang, this is our Leica episode. It was inevitable. Definitely. I think that... I don't know. We kind of reached critical mass. There were a lot of requests for this. We had a couple of emails and DMs saying, when are you guys going to do a Leica show? So for those of you who are not Leica files, just stay with us. I think this will be fun anyway. We will try and make it sufficiently approachable so it isn't just a talk about the cult. Yes. We'll get to the cult. Yes. All right. So Gabe and I are both Leica shooters. I actually think with a very different suite of cameras, which we will get into. Yes. But I want to start at the outset by asking you, Gabe, how you first became aware of Leica cameras. I knew nothing about them. When I mean I knew nothing about them, prior, but maybe a year before Freaks and Geeks, I knew nothing about these cameras. Even if I saw them, I, I wouldn't be able to, I knew nothing about them. So an agent at uh, William Morris which was not my agency, but it was a friend of mine. He said, 
you should try a Leica camera. And I was like, wow, what is that? Like, I, I was... What were you shooting with at the time? Canon. I was with the Canon film camera, probably an Elan, or I'm trying to think way back oh, okay. then what it was, but it was, it yeah, was something it. like that. Yeah, And I, you know, got the... I, I looked it up and went, wow, these are expensive cameras. <laughs> that was my yeah. first reaction. I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to just... So I was able to get, you know, he was suggesting get some kind of M. And mm. they were so, they were just too much that I bought an R4S. And <sighs> okay. it, an SLR. And it was not as cheap as it is now. And one came with a 50 millimeter lens and it was not a lot. I can't, maybe 450, you know, oh, 450, okay. 500. But it was, you know, I got it and I loved it. I really loved it. But of course, like you, when there's a tiny scratch inside of your camera that no one can see but your, your mind, I was yeah. like, I've got to know what an M is like. So right. I had all this Canon equipment, and that's when I traded all of my camera equipment that I had for a Leica M6. That's right. how that all started. M6. Okay, so let's just clarify for those who might not be as deep in the weeds of Leica as we are that there are two principal roads that diverge. There's the R world, and then there's sort of the M and the screw mount, the rangefinder world. Right. I know absolutely nothing about the R world, and ours is a single lens reflex camera. Yes. Okay, it has the high quality Leica glass, which sort of made the brand's name, but it's a single lens reflex camera. Can you just talk us through a little bit about the R experience before we sort of talk about the M experience that followed that? Yes, so the R experience was a very easy transition for me other than the manual part because I really wanted to shoot manual. So the transition was very easy. It was like holding another SLR. It was a little heavier. It felt a little more solid to me and the lenses were spectacular. So right. that 50 millimeter Summicron F2, which I still have, was fantastic. And it just worked. You know, it was one of those things that just, it was very simple where I think that some of the other controls on the Canon and there was, there was all kinds of readouts and things like that. There was none of that on the Leica. Is a, the RA an aperture priority situation? So this is the R4 and the R4S, I can't, remember what it had but this one i believe does okay aperture priority. aperture priority yep. automatic got it yep and then i i just use it in manual you know i just was sort of oh, okay. get preparing myself for the uh the m world in my head sure <laughs> and okay loved it for portraits i had it during that blizzard in new york in the 90s and it was a fantastic shot in central park and it worked in all weather there was no worries about anything like that so it was really my introduction of what this company is about and sort of even though they sort of did this deal with minolta with this with, yeah. the, with the camera and of course Again, Jeff, like like you have that little thing in the in your camera. Of course, I was like, well, wait a minute. Is this a real Leica? It's a Leica Minolta. It's a mm. Leicolta. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> let me see. Is this something that... So then, of course, it drove me to the um, M6. That's how I got to the M6. Got it. Yeah. 
Uh, let me just ask real quick. How much time elapsed between the agent saying to you, you really ought to look into a Leica, and you actually acquiring one? It was probably a while. It was probably nine hours. <laughs> it was. It would have been four, but um, I think it was a very short time. I was scouring to find it. Okay. And where did you buy that camera? The R. I I bought the R4S, I believe, at B and H. Used apartment. I think I no 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 used used used. Okay. And um, yeah, that's where I bought it. And it came with the fifty. And did you buy some more lenses for that too? As years went on, I did not. They were they were expensive, and as years went on, I would I would buy them. But again, always on eBay or at the camera show. That's where I bought most of my lenses. All right. I have a very different origin story. I love this. Okay. I have mentioned on this podcast in the past the importance of the book, The Amateur Photographer's Handbook, to my development as a photographer. I took photography and darkroom classes at summer camp when I was eight years old, became obsessed with photography. My grandmother bought me The Amateur Photographer's Handbook, and there was a section in the book which was sort of a camera buying guide. Oh, And wow. I believe I have mentioned on this podcast, there was a section called The Elite of Cameras, where that was my first awareness of the Leica and the Alpa, okay? Wow. And the Alpa <laughs> was the one that I became kind of fixated on, but there was a picture of a Leica M5, which should be able to help you pin down exactly when... This yeah. book was published. The Leica M5 was brand new at the time. And I remember reading about like the extraordinary glass of Leicas and that they were really fairly basic rangefinder cameras without a lot of bells and whistles, but that the Leica was a precision machine with extraordinary glass. Right. I'm eight years old. <laughs> I happened to look in Peterson's photographic and popular photography. And all I remember is that the price of a Leica was a four-digit number. Yeah, definitely. Right there. Didn't even dare to dream about it. For <laughs> me, like a Nikon F2, which at the time was about $350, that was out of reach. Yes. So the idea of a camera that was $1,200, like don't even think about it. That's yeah. clearly a camera for professional photographers. But then I think I've talked about that particularly around the time my kid was born. A friend gave me a Lomo LCA. I started shooting with that. It sort of sent me smartly back to my Olympus 35RC and my Canon EF, which were the only two cameras I owned at the time. Right. And I just got this tickle of like, it's time maybe to think about getting a Leica. This is in the early 2000s. So it's probably around the same time you're starting to take a hard yes, look exactly. at getting an M. And I got to hand it to my then wife. She asked me about what I wanted for my birthday that particular year. That's what we did. We had been married a long time. So at that point, you simply supply your spouse <laughs> with a birthday list. And I said, I'm thinking maybe a Leica M6 TTL. Wow. And I told her a little bit about the one that I was interested in. At the time, I also, I've mentioned this on the podcast as well, flirted with the idea of the LHSA Black Paint Commemorative Edition. But I ultimately decided I wanted the Chrome M6 TTL. And not only did she get me that camera, she also got me a 35 millimeter Sumalux. Amazing. Amazing. Now, that is a great birthday present. Yeah, that is a slightly. great birthday yeah. present. I got to hand it to her. That was really good. Yeah. It was really good. And 
at the time, as I said, I did not have a lot of cameras. I had maybe six or seven cameras. And this became an obsession shooting with this thing. I primarily shot at the time black and white. Still, I primarily shoot black and white with the Leica. And the quality of the images, this is a cliche that Leica owners talk about. But when you see a Leica negative on the light table, there does seem to be a palpable difference from any other kind of glass. Somebody can judge whether it's better or worse, sharp or softer. It's it's different. It's It's definitely a different look. Yeah. And it's interesting. I had the M6 and that 35 millimeter for a very long time, like years. And I only shot with that combo, even though it was very heavy. Right. And I mean, that's very heavy. That's a lot of glass and a lot of metal. But I loved the images I was getting out of it. And eventually I rounded out the ensemble with a, I believe first a 90 millimeter F2 Summicron, which I bought new. And Mm -hmm. then the legendary 50 millimeter DR Summicron, the dual range with the goggles. Beautiful. I got that. And then I had the classic setup, the 35, the 50, and the 90. And that was pretty much my Leica ensemble for a very long time. That's so cool. Yeah. So did you do the same thing? Let's talk about you and the M. So that was my road into the M. Tell me about yours. So I really just, it kept driving me nuts that I didn't have one. And then I started doing the research and then the addition took over. Like everything took mm. over. Every, every book, every photographer, oh, sure. everyone that shot with it. I want to know what lens they used. I want to know what camera they used and how, how they loved it and read reviews and read books on it and on and on. And then... I contacted a gentleman named Don Chatterton, who was in oh, Washington sure. at the time. And he, I said, I really want an M. And he goes, great. It's about, you know, $1,100. And the lens is about $700. And I said, well, would you trade? He says, what do you have? And I said, I have, gave all the Canon stuff and all the lenses. And he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll trade you all your Canon film equipment for the body mm. and then the lens the 35 millimeter lens will be 700 dollars. okay and i made the deal sure. and that was my camera like that camera yeah. i got i started taking portraits with it and then we did a show before freaks and geeks with judd called sick in the head and i started shooting with it on stage and i realized oh wow this is it like this i mm. i love the way this feels it's not very intrusive. It's very quiet. I can shoot while we're shooting. It's it was fantastic. And then when we, st- we you know Freaks and Geeks and Sick in the Head were sort of at the same time. And then when uh, Freaks and Geeks started got picked up and started again, then I shot with it all the time. Now you had not been a rangefinder shooter ever prior to this. No idea. Okay, never ever again. had a rangefinder camera. Right. So for the people who probably, a lot of our listeners probably have never shot with a rangefinder camera, can you talk about that adjustment? Because I had no adjustment. I shot with an Olympus 35RC. Right. What was that adjustment like for you? I'm going to have a discussion like our thingy discussion. Okay. So this is is going to be, I'm going to go right to actually go to that time so I can talk in that language. Yeah. So I'm picking up the M6. And I'm figuring out how to focus. And it's got this little sort of amber square in the middle. As you're looking through a viewfinder, that is just looking through a viewfinder. It's not like I'm so used to looking at the image, you know, exactly what I'm shooting. So I'm just, 
in my head, I'm going, so what? What is the math of this? Like, how is this working? But getting used to the focus, once I got used to, and it all started with me doing this. Hold your finger up. Hold your finger up. All to my friends. Hold your finger up. I got to focus this thing. Put <laughs> so it, you had a vertical? Put the yeah. finger by your eye. <laughs> put so the finger by your head. And it was, that's how I got used to focusing wow. until I completely focused on your eyeball. Like that's yeah. sort of where where it, where it's gone to. But in the beginning, I mean, I'm telling you what it was like. It was just, you're you're looking through this. You're not looking through the lens but it's once you get used to it, once you see the pictures that come back and how um, it just felt more intimate and felt like a little quieter and it felt like I could just, you know, make it work. I, I mean, as I said, I learned on a rangefinder camera. The the two cameras I learned on were the 35RC and also a Practica SLR where you focused on ground glass. So I was used to sort of fluidly moving between one and the other. Right. But the thing about the Leica that you said is there is an intimacy. It is so quiet. Yep. It is engineered so that the the film advance and the shutter are just the 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 film advance is very smooth and very quiet, very silken, they say. And the shutter release itself is this tiniest little click. It's kind of perfect. Cartier Brisson compared it to a kiss. It's yep. just like a perfect, and so there is a quiet, and the the sense that you're not particularly, I would imagine, on sound stages, yeah. where you just want to be unobtrusive. There's nothing better. And I could go up to, I can go up to actors. Obviously, I'm not the set photographer, so there's a different relationship there anyway. But it was like they knew I had my camera with me all the time, and by episode two, there was just I was just always taking pictures, so it was never yeah. there was never an issue. So. You know, Linda would be sitting there studying her lines, and I they'd know I would take pictures, it would be fine. Like, it wasn't, you yeah. know, by that time, it didn't bother them, so it's nice. Yeah, something about, no matter how quiet your SLR is, it just makes a lot of noise. Ka-chunk. You know, there's the slap, and the slang, and right. the pang, and the bang, and it just, it, and this film advances a thing, and it's a larger object, there's more glass in your face, it just, in general, feels like you're getting your picture taken, and there's something a little more stealth about, Rangefinders in general, but right. the Leica specifically, and also it is so you don't quiet. have to worry. You know, the other thing that I loved was was not worrying about light and sort of being yes. able to shoot in very low light. And even when I was doing portraits at people's houses and just using window light, it's just that works so much better. It just, you know, even if you had a small light or a lamp or on and on, it just lends itself to that kind of photography and and especially on a set i thought that was yeah i love that now we're going to talk a little bit later about the cult of this brand but i do want to say that this business about leica engineering is no joke i mean there is a very high quality of polish to the machine and so when people talk about how extraordinary these cameras are, it's not fake. It is like a Rolex watch, or it is like a Ferrari, or like a Gibson guitar. You can really feel the difference shooting with these things, and uh, pick one up and play with one, and you'll start to get a sense of why people talk about these cameras with such reverence. I can't speak to what the like a digital shooting experience is, and we're going to talk about that toward the end of our hour, but... I can say that the difference between a Leica rangefinder and any other rangefinder that I've used, it's quite 
a, quite a notable difference. Do you agree with that? Definitely. It definitely it feels like quality. You're handling it differently. It's um, you know, it's something that you put value into and you've invested in and you just sort of uh it it really pays off. Yeah. Okay, so you started you when you got that M, which lenses did you start with? You got the 35. What I, else did I you just, start with? I just I I had the 35 for Mostly that's all I shot with on Freaks and Geeks. Mm. And then I bought a used dual range. And oh, okay. I love it. I loved getting like the closeness and getting those close-up shots. I thought that was terrific, especially for what I was doing. And I went from there to the the Sumalux 50. Mm. Old. Chrome. It dust. I could go on and on, a little haze and on and on. So I bought that, whatever, 20 years ago. It's completely fixed and ready for me to pick it up tomorrow. <gasps> wow. Completely like brand new. Yeah. So I'm very excited. So from then. That's great. From then. Yeah. So it's very, it's always had this piece of, I thought a scratch and he, no, it's, it was a piece of dust he was able to get rid of. So yeah, so I got that. And then eventually a beat to heck 28 millimeter. Oh, I've never shot with that. Yep. Nice. Love it. I love it. It looks like a vintage camera. I mean, a vintage lens and it, the shots you get out of it feel like that too, which I love. Do you have frame lines for the 28? Yeah. Or do you have an accessory finder? I'm trying I, to remember I, this. I, I do have an accessory finder, but no, I, I yeah, you know, and I, again, where we differ uh it i mean frame lines frame lines i mean i'm just don't not care. i just don't care because i'm shooting oh, God, right no, like care. this so i'm like i'm it's just different for me so i mean yes with like a 15 or a 21 yes of course i would if right. i had one yes and then the 90 and that was it i bought the 90 and i was okay. really really happy and then you know played with different you know, other lenses, but those are my, the, you know, obviously the 35 and the uh, 50s are the ones that I use. The All most. right. So with, hold yours up for a sec. Do uh, we have the same camera, the M6 that you have? Okay. Do we have the same camera? Okay. So let's. I'm just trying to think. Let's start Do you here. have an M6? You, you have an M6 TTL, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Right? I have, well, the one that I took all the Freaks and Keeks pictures with, this is the uh, M6 Classic. Oh, M6 Classic. Okay, and got it. This is the TTL. <laughs> okay, here we go, because this is inevitable. <sighs> I think it is like people with guitars and wristwatches is that you can't own just one. Okay, so you started with the M6 Classic, correct? Yes, yes. What was your second Leica and why? My second Leica was the <laughs> M6 TTL. Which finder, Gabe? Oh, yes. Is that yes. the 0.72? I think it's the 8. The 0.7? Hold on. Is it the 8.5? What? Hold, hold on. Ooh. Hold on. Hold on. Da, 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 da. No, you're right. 72. 72. 72. Sorry. 72. Okay. So we, that, we do have the same one. Yes. We do have the same one. Yes. Okay. What prompted that, Gabe? That was your second one. Because here's my, here's my situation. In my mind, one day I'm going to be a professional photographer. And when you're a professional <laughs> photographer, as you've seen in magazines and documentaries and on and on, 
they have a bunch of cameras. Like if one one has black and white, one has color. One is if one breaks, they have the other one. Da, 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 da. So I thought, as I become a war correspondent, I would have my <laughs> in Pacific Palisades. In Pacific Palisades, I would have my M6 Classic and my M6 TTL, and I would be covered. Which right. doesn't explain the other Leicas, but it explains those two. We'll get to those. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So how many years elapsed between M6 number one and M6 number two? I would say one. Oh, geez. <laughs> what? Well, there one could be year? a war any minute. What are you talking about? <laughs> do, you want me to co- do you want me to cover the war? Do you want me to make some nice oh, magazine man. pictures? Or you want me to just uh, fold and run away? Okay. Yep. Can you just talk to me about how that came to pass how did camera two come to pass well so let's talk about what happens between camera one and camera two (laughs) what happens is you start seeing with leica colored glasses that's what happens to your life everything is like oh there's a leica bag oh my gosh there's a leica there's there's like a sign oh my gosh there's a vintage sign store that says that's like six feet wide and lights up and says like a specialist I need that. <laughs> so that might, I might have that. But anyway, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing where everything becomes, for me, was everything was, had to be Leica. I mean, from pins. Did, so did it spoil you for every other camera? Would, like, did it take hold to the point where you didn't really care, care about shooting with anything else? I didn't care about shooting with anything else. Absolutely wow. not. I didn't have a Rolleiflex then. I didn't have anything. And so everything was like, you know, the Leica t-shirt, you know, oh my gosh, (laughs) there is a Leica golf shirt. I don't play golf, but it's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Uh, And it's red and I have to have it. Yeah, I got it in black. (laughs) Well, at least you got it in black. I mean, my red one is... Doesn't fit me though. I'll give you mine. You can, now (laughs) now you'll have one that fits you. So it was all about that. And then, you know, when I was cleaning out my cameras and, and, and organizing them, I found these like burlap Leica bags, like these small, like who knows what they were for? Maybe for the Safari edition, or maybe they, yeah. you know, you know, cases. Or so you go through all the craziness. I mean, I'm talking about crazy from between Leica yeah. one and Leica two, and then you get Leica two, and now you are scouring. You need to know. You need to get notifications of when new Leica stuff comes up, and when it just took over and then what you're doing is you're going well i can't be the only one obsessed i'm gonna get other people obsessed i'll show you and then everyone i talk to if you try to like it if you try to like it if you try to like it yep yep yeah Uh, all right let's we'll we'll talk a little bit about the ephemera for a second yeah i definitely get that i did buy the polo shirt of course i've talked about my like a belt buckle i do have that Yep, I do have various pins depicting various Leica cameras. I have an enormous bookshelf of Leica books. In some cases, some of these books are more valuable than the cameras themselves. Oh, that's amazing. That's really it's cool. It's insane. Yep. And this yep. is absurd, okay? But I have saved all the boxes <laughs> and all the like warranty cards and all the other paperwork that's because, impressive. guys, if you go on eBay, you will pay... $200 for a box right. for a Leica M3. Right, that's absolutely $200 true. Yep. for the cardboard box. Yep. Because people collect everything yep. associated with this camera. Alpa is the same way. Anything with the brand on it, anything associated with it absolutely. is collectible. Absolutely. Which 
is unfortunate because it ruins it for people who just want to get into shooting these cameras. Right. It does ruin it, but the ephemera thing is insane. Also, there's an enormous wealth, an uncountable number of Leica accessories. Yes. The Visaflex, which turns the M system into an SLR. The strange things, strange flashes, strange goggles. They all have these five-letter alphanumeric codes like moolie or shmoolie or (laughs) so like do you have a holy and a moolie oh i have the moolie but not in black i need the moolie in chrome it's an entire universe of strangeness and you will see these guys at the camera shows with their leica patches on their photojournalist vests oh yeah talking about this or that accessory and this or that version of the 35 millimeter Summicron and why version three is better than version two. These serial numbers are better than that serial number. Prototypes that turn up on eBay for for $100,000. Insane, insane. And that to me, it's you really need to step away from it because ultimately it's a photographic tool. I consider myself, in spite of my sort of collecting bent, I consider myself a user. Definitely. I want to shoot with these cameras. I don't want to have it sit on the shelf. But that said, I have hung on to every box. Have you hung on to every box? uh, That's really impressive. I have held on to most of the Leica boxes that I have purchased that were sort of new. All right. I'm going to tell you about my camera, too, which is entirely different from yours and a camera I'm not even sure you own. I don't. (sighs) I know what you're going to say. Yeah. I Here don't. It comes. I did. Yeah. But I don't. What? I did. You had a Leica CL? Mm-hmm. Okay, let me talk to you about how I happened to get this. Let's hear it. And then I want to hear your story. So, coincident with the Leica M5, Leica, as you said, was in this partnership with Minolta, and they decided to get together and make a compact Leica. Okay, in addition to their SLR misadventures, they made the Leica CL. But in its home country of Japan, Japanese pride insisted it be branded the Lights Minolta CL. Oh. You see the difference. Interesting, yes. You see how it's, yes. Okay. I don't believe there's an appreciable difference in value or rarity. Okay. But when I learned that there were two different ones, of course I needed the less common in the U.S. one. Yes. I also loved the form factor. You know, it's small, like my Olympus 35RC. It's got a 40 millimeter lens, kind of like my Olympus 35RC, which has a 42 millimeter lens. I adore this camera. I think I have talked about how much I adore this on previous podcasts, but this is a perfect camera in its 40 millimeter configuration. And the fact that you can take off the 40 and put a 50 or a 35 or a 90 on it is just a bonus. Right. But this camera, the shell of it, I mean, uh, there's, I don't know what it is about it. It is just, it feels solid. I have dropped this camera from a great height, and all that happened was I chipped some of the plastic (laughs) off of the wine lever, okay? It is solid as heck, and it's got the crisp, here it comes, it still has the crisp engineering that you associate with Leica, and they are still pretty cheap. Mm -hmm. Like, this is in, I mean, look, when I say pretty cheap, with lens, this will be six to eight hundred dollars. Right. Okay. And the lens is the most valuable part of that enterprise. But for starters, 
oh my God, if you're looking to get into Leica rangefinders, this is, to me, this is where you go if you can handle it. Talk now about, tell me how you had one and got rid well, of it. talk about what? the handling of that between that and the M6. Well, it's simpler, okay? It's a needle instead of LEDs, okay? It's got, what I love about this, it's got the shutter speed dial that protrudes above the top plate, so you can adjust the shutter speed without taking it from your eye. Right, okay? right. And it's got a very smooth little tab on the lens. So once again, it's very easy to focus. It's the only Leica with 40 millimeter frame lines. And I, the 40 millimeter is my favorite Leica lens in my favorite focal length. So most of the time the 40 stays on here. But shooting with this is a joy. It's a great portrait camera. It's a great snapshot camera. It's a great travel camera. To me, it's the acceptable face of Leica for the masses. Maybe I just didn't give it enough of a chance. Maybe yeah, that's why didn't you now like, that what I'm hearing. You got one and got rid when of I'm it. I can't believe it. Hearing you speak about it and your love for it, I mean, maybe I have to give it another chance. It just didn't, for me, it just didn't handle the same in my head. Like what it, I thought it was going to be a mini M6. And but I you think, know, the thing is, you know, it's interesting because you started with a 35 millimeter on yes, your M6. Yes. And that's a much smaller package. Right. See, I had the 35 millimeter Sumalux, which is a big, heavy thing. And so I thought of, whenever I thought of taking the M6 somewhere, it was a big, heavy thing. Right. So this seemed so much smaller and more nimble, whereas to you, with your 35, this is probably not that big a difference. Yep. You're right. It's probably a slightly more proletarian version right. of the camera that you already loved. Right. So maybe, hmm. maybe. Maybe. So that was number two for me. Nice. Okay. Now, you have many more. <laughs> I'll get to my number three in a minute. But what did you get next? I will tell you. So my number three was a Leica Flex. <gasps> so you went back to the SLR I went back realm. to the SLR. And yes, this is my uh, Flex, which I love. You can see. Oh, that's beautiful. And <gasps> I... He is holding up a black Flex SL. I've never seen that camera in black, to be honest with you. That is beautiful. It's one of those solid cameras. It just never has failed me. And I got it for really, really cheap. It's a Flex SL. It has the original 50 with it and i just nice I, I i loved it so i went from that so that now i had the two r cameras and i did not get another lens with that and i sold the r4s which was my very first one actually and then i went and got um <laughs> an m2 be beaten to like I can't even describe. Okay, an M2. All right, let's catch our gang wait, up. Wait. The M2 was the second of the M series cameras. It was designed to be a budget alternative to the M3, which was the flagship camera. Mm -hmm. And they're very, very similar in a lot of respects. We won't get into the differences. Do you still have that M2? I do. Wow, five hundred dollars. Seen you shoot with that? Nope. That's a that's a good deal. Yep. And then I that's got the M3. Okay. Oh, Gabe, I had no idea. <laughs> the M3? I had no and idea. And I still have that camera. And that camera, I traded. I wish I could remember the trade, but I traded something and $400. Great deal. But it wasn't It wasn't a lot. It was probably altogether was 650 that camera. These are like a year, 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 you know. 
Yeah. I don't want to make it sound like I buy one every year, (laughs) but I do. Let me talk about my M3 for a minute. (gasps) Yes, but you've got a beautiful... Yeah. I do. Talk about your M3. I'm going to get mine. Go. Okay. This M3 is immaculate. And I did not really need an M3, to be honest. I kind of sentimentally thought, one day I'll get an M3. I happened to be trawling eBay like you do in the late hours of the night. And I saw this absolutely gorgeous M3 out there. I mean, beautiful in every respect. There's not a mark on it. And unlike a lot of the auctions on eBay these days, it was an auction auction. Like the the bid that it was at with like 12 hours to go was something like four or $500. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to set my sniping software for a bid of $888. Because no, if I can get a, a pristine a M3, if I can get a pristine M3 for $800, uh, that would be a great thing. Yeah. I woke up to discover I owned it. No way. No way. That's amazing. Yeah. And I love it. It's a single stroke. It's beautiful in every respect. I did, it it pains me even to say this, but when moving house, I did put a tiny chip in the leatherette. Can you even see it, Gabe? No. Can you see it? Because I wouldn't know what a chip was. Right. And I filled that chip with liquid electrical tape, which is what they tell you to do. And you can almost not see it, but I can. <laughs> well, uh, other than that tiny, tiny repair of the leatherette, because I did not want to replace all the leatherette because the later leatherette that they replace it with is not the same. Uh, it is as immaculate as the day I got it. I do shoot with it quite a lot, and it is exquisite. Yeah, that's a beauty. I mean, that's a beauty. It is exquisite. I keep the 50 on it. This is the dual range. Beautiful. I sometimes put the goggles on it. Yep. It is a delight to shoot with. I've never had a meter on this camera. I've never bought the appropriate matching Leica meter that goes with this. I just shoot Sunny 16 with this guy, and I love it. But it is, it, to me, a work of art, and it is not great for sort of knockabout shooting. If I'm going right. to be knockabout shooting, I'll probably take the M6 or the CL. And that is the end of my journey, Gabe. I don't have as many well, as you do. That's well, what I'm me, learning let today. Let me tell you about my M3. My M3 is very unique because if you hold it like this, it's in perfect condition. You just, <laughs> you just have to keep your finger over the chips. And I okay. figured out. So okay, so this is this is it. So this is this is the M3. Beautiful. Um, and yes, I I I do love this camera. I do shoot with it. Obviously, not as much as the M6. Or the other M4. Yeah, here it comes. Um, so, so that was going to be the end of you know we didn't even touch on the Leica threes and the um, we're getting to we're that. getting there. Yeah, so, we're getting to. So this. I'm just You're explaining the lead up to this. So I was. <sighs> so then that was it. Okay, I was like, this is <laughs> this is it. I have, I have my collection of Leicas. I'm very lucky and fortunate that I was able to buy them. And even though I got ridiculously great deals, I was very, very, very happy until oh no, that story that I've told before when I went to B&H and just went to look at right. what they had. And there were those two, you know, M4s. The M4 black paint. Uh, I guess it was 1970. This woman turned in her husband's, both of them. 
And the guy who sold it to me bought one of them, who listens to our podcast, which is fantastic. That's great. Because he was at a Beers and Cameras event and said that I have Gabe's twin. So he has the other, because we're going to get together next time I'm in New York. It'll be very fun. But, um, and so I saw that camera and that's where I looked at it and I said, I'll never see this again. It was weight, it was undervalued, but it was still too much to be spending on that camera. It was like 20, it was 2300. And I was like, I'm an idiot because it's going to be gone in three seconds. But I just had to go, you know what? I've got my collection. I know I've dreamt about that camera every day for, for 20 years, but you know what? I'm just, I'm walking away. I am fascinated now because when I first heard you tell that story, I did not understand that at the time you encountered that M4, you already had an M2, an M3, and two M6s, and, an M- and whatever screw mounts you had. And an M4 too, but we're not going to talk about that. So what? yeah, there's an M4 too in there. <laughs> but anyway, um, that I, oh, another God. crazy beat up, but great oh, deal. God. But anyway, I wanted this so badly, and that's where I walked away, and Fred... Corey, our amazing musical director and dear friend, said, don't walk away from it. You're never going to see it again. You're going to be so angry. And I said, no, nope, I'm just going to do it. And he goes, you got to get it. Turn around right now and go buy it. Yeah. And I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. It's, it makes no sense right now. So I left, got on the plane, head back to LA. Everything that I see on the plane you know, they bring over the water. It's a, it's the M4. It's I go to the bathroom and there's a sign, you're an idiot, buy the M4. Everything that happens, I can't sleep, I can't eat. Every day I walk my dog and it's like my dog's looking at me like you're an idiot. Get the M4. It's black paint. You're never going to see it again. So this happens nonstop. So a week goes by, a week. And I, that's when I call them. And I say, who bought the M4? And he said, oh, we totally forgot to list it. We're about to list it. Oh, man. I said, don't list it. I'm buying it. And, there you go. And that's how, I got the, uh, that's how I got the M4 black paint, which I love. And I used, I shot pictures of you on it. That's yeah. where we... Uh, yeah. yeah, you sure did. Yeah. That's right. Pretty yep. picture of me. Yep. All right. Talk to me about... The screw mount road, because we haven't talked about that. Okay, obviously, Leica made screw mount cameras before they made the M's. Yes. Talk about that a little bit. Yes. I see one behind you over your right shoulder. Yes, so one is the one that I found at the garage sale, So yes. that, which, which we've spoken about, which I love, which is a 1934-3 with a matching. That's not the... Oh, yes, it is. It is the matching lens from 1934. Is that an Elmar? Uh, one of those collapsible Elmars? So this is a Sumar. So this was the one that she bought with the camera in 1934. Ah, So that was hers. And then the, I started out with a 3F. Great. And, you know, you have to commit to these cameras. You have to go, you have to have a long talk with them and you have to say, look, I get it. You're not easy to get along with. (laughs) I understand it, but... I am going to make this, we're going to make this work together. You and, and me, And you and me, I know you want me to cut the film a certain way, so oh, it hooks God, onto right. the thing, and you have to take the thing out and the spool, and the, it's a lot of work. Once you get it there, 
I think it's the coolest looking Leica ever. I really do. I think that the look, 3F. I think really the, the 3C. I have 3C and this this three. <laughs> whatever i have it's it's uh i love the look i just i just love it it feels cool on them but it's very hard to focus you have to really squint Mm. and and focus and uh other than that i love it i I hesitate even to ask this question but okay how many leica bodies do you have gabe in total i have to get up i let's just start right now no let's just start with what's in front of me and we'll just be right so Four. I have twelve in front of me. Oh Jesus! Oh, I have. Oh my God! But I have two more digital, and oh, I've got God. another. And I've got another one downstairs. So it's it's oh, something my like that. God, what? It's a lot of. Lines. Okay. Yeah. That's great. I'm happy for you. Which ones get the most use? They all get use. I'm very happy to say they actually all get use. What? The even mo- all the little screw mount guys? Even the screw, the, the Leica 3 I use. I think that the ones that get the most use, obviously, are the M6 and the M4. The lenses all get used. There's definitely the lenses all get used because there's about six of them. And then the R6 II, which we didn't discuss. <laughs> but there's right. also a Leica R6 II, which I... <laughs> Which I love a lot, and I shoot that uh, <sighs> as well. But I would say, you know, those those are my favorites. And then another one we didn't talk. <laughs> I feel like I'm just looking around, going, "Oh right, we didn't we didn't talk about this guy either." This is the Leica R eight. Is that the one that can take a digital back? Probably. I don't know. I really yeah. don't know. All, yeah. I love this camera too. It's just very big. The issue with the R eight is. If you listen to any expert talk about the R8, they go, well, it's going to die one day, and then, <laughs> and then it's over. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean it's over? In my head, I'm going, what do you mean? Goes, oh, it's over. There's no parts. Like, that's over. Like, it's, so wow. you, but I love it, and I, I use that and, and, you know, love the lenses on that as well. So. Okay. We have reached one of those fulcrum points yes. Yes. in the Jeff Gabe <laughs> dichotomy <laughs> because i have three leicas right okay and they're all very different from one another yes okay yes even given the similarities between the m3 and the m6 ttl one has a meter one doesn't yes one has different frame lines okay so it's very easy for me if i'm going out to shoot to tell the difference between the experience of shooting with the M3 and the experience of shooting with the M6 obviously the CL is a compact camera so that's a different <laughs> thing too how in the world do you distinguish between the day I want to shoot with the M4 and the day I want to shoot with the M6 isn't that a very similar experience well you know you feel bad for you. you don't want them sitting on the shelf and going oh god yeah, I thought you stupid. were going to say that that stupid M6 is getting some love again I want them to all feel <laughs> Feel the love. But what so, about the M6 versus the M6 TTL? That's a tiny shade of difference. It is a t- it is a tiny shade of difference. So I really, you know, one's a backup. Again, photojournalist. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> By the way, if anyone needs a war correspondent who has very little yeah. experience, I am there for you. Yeah, he's available. Yeah, I am available. So, yeah. Boy, it's a good thing we did not do the Marie Nikondo treatment on your Leica that collection. That would never happen. It would, it would never, never happen. I have, I have one Leica 3C that I am selling. Wow. And that's, Do you have more than one Leica 3C? No, that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> that'd be so stupid. 
two three C's. So maybe I have another three C. Okay, let's move forward. I could please, I could please. continue to gape slack jawed at you for several more minutes, but we're gonna move forward. Talk to me about the digital. I've never owned a digital like I have friends who own them and love them. Tell me about that adventure when you embarked upon that. Okay, so this will probably make people throw up. But anyway, um, <laughs> the director, Pierre Morel, who's amazing, uh, he directed the movie Taken, but he's, you know, was a DP, a French DP, amazing. And we would have these conversations about Leica all the time. Like, he is just a great visual storyteller. And so we would talk about the monochrome. So the monochrome was coming out. And I said, that's ridiculous. Like, who, like, what is the point? Like, I don't understand. He goes, you don't understand. Yelling at me in French. And we would talk about this. We talk about this forever and on and on, but they're so expensive. And who's getting this thing? And I don't know. It makes no sense. So cut to my birthday. And I go, I think Fred and I went out to lunch. And Fred got me this amazing Leica book from Leica mm. Gallery. And I loved it. And he then handed me a bag with a Leica monochrome in it. Oh my God. What a friend. Let me tell you something. In my life, I have never gotten a gift like that. Ever. Wow. Ever. I was Fred. in shock. And then I said, first of all, I couldn't accept it because it was ridiculous. But Fred really, you know, appreciate. He said, you broke me into primetime television. He goes, they weren't going to let me do it. And I just, I just really appreciate it. And you have to take it and on and on. And so then I was the owner of a monochrome and I called Pierre Morel and he screamed on the phone. He goes, I can't (laughs) believe you have it after you said you hated it. Who would ever have it? And on and on. And it was great. I I actually really, really, uh, really, really love that camera. I don't, here's what I don't love about it. I don't love, I love the pictures. Okay. The screen on the back is not great. And Mm -hmm. I have the first one, which everyone now wants this first one. And I don't love looking at my pictures. Right. And that, I hear you. That, I think, between that is just such a distraction. But I love shooting with it. I love the pictures I get out of it. And, I love the digital. Yeah. Did you then proceed to get another digital Leica? No. Gabe Sachs. I did what? N- I did not proceed to get another digital Leica because that would be ridiculous if I bought another trick. But a couple of years later, <laughs> my best friend bought me a Leica M10. Fred oh. Fred Corey. I can't put <laughs> what? Yes. What? I swear. Oh my God. Yeah. Fred. Yeah. Fred needs to be my friend. Oh, it's uh oh, ridiculous. Oh god, that's amazing. And I had all the lenses and I have used that uh, that camera I use I know that all you the really time. Do use. And I love yeah. it. You can use any. I've used the old Noctilux on, I've used every lens on it I can, and I, I absolutely love that camera. Wow. Yeah, I get it. 
I mean, I have a very good friend in addition to you. You're a very good friend. I have another very good friend who has an M10, and he lent it to me for an hour or two, and then I was like, take it away from me. Take it away from me. I did take it away from me. Yeah. I don't want to be tempted. I don't want a high-end digital camera. I never want a high-end digital camera, even if it's one that can use my Leica lenses. I just don't want that experience because I fear that I will want it. Uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, I definitely understand that. Yeah. So when you're inventorying the twelve Leicas you say you have, does that include the two digitals, or were you no, just talking I was about? Not, I did not include yeah, those. Yeah, I thought and, so. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> yep. It's a problem, people. It's a real problem. Thank. I'll tell you one thing. Thank goodness that all that those M's have not only gone up in value. Of I mean, they it's have. been crazy. I mean, they really have gone up. The only things that have yeah. gone down are digital, so, right? Because they keep changing. But but the film cameras right now are crazy. Do you have a, a lens on every Leica body you own? No. I, sounds like you don't have that many lenses. Am I right about that? I, like maybe you have fewer lenses I have than fewer cameras. Fewer lenses than, than camera bodies. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple that are lonely. Can you do a brief pricey about? Getting the Noxilux and shooting with that baby. Yeah, so it's if I had the the way I got the Noxilux was such uh, I would never be buying the Noxilux just like I would never be buying a Leica digital. And um, but when I was doing Freaks and Geeks, you know, towards the end of the run, a reporter that I knew for a very short time was in Singapore, and he said the magazine is buying me a new Noxilux for my M6. Do you want to buy the other this one that they Ooh. gave me? And they didn't make him yeah. give it back. He asked them. They said, "No, no, no. You can sell it or whatever." And so he goes, "I'd love to sell it to you." I go, "How much?" He goes, "A thousand dollars." I said, "I'm going to buy it." So I bought the Noctilux for a thousand dollars, and that has been my favorite. Really, all yeah. if I talk about my favorite lens, you know, you read all the stuff about it, and you know, blah 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 blah, but interior window light low light it just gives you a very special look especially on film so that's my fave is it a big difference i'm asking this is a leading question is it a big difference from shooting a 1.4 lens it's different you feel that extra well i feel that extra weight <laughs> yeah so Do you feel that extra half a stop yeah i mean you know this is a big lens this is a yeah, heavy, a heavy, lens. heavy, heavy, sure. heavy lens. I feel it. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those focusing things that is, you have to be pretty right on, you know, at F1. <laughs> you have to really be on, those, on those eyes. But when you, if you can make, I can make 25 mistakes. And then if the, if the last 11 picks, you know, I get, I nail those eyes, you can't match it. It's that it's that feel, and I haven't used that Sumalux, but I'm getting it back, you know, tomorrow. So yeah, we'll see. yeah. I have always been curious about the Noctilux, and you know, Gabe and I were texting earlier today. Seven Artisans has announced a 50 millimeter f 0.95 lens for micro four thirds, among other things, for only two hundred and thirty six dollars, and I am sorely tempted. I think you have to get it. The only problem is, well, it just, you know, here's the thing. If I was going to shell out for a super fast, cheap lens, I would want it to be M mount. I would probably shell out for the M mount version rather than the Micro Four Thirds one because right. that way I can shoot it on the digital or on a film camera. Right. 
That's what I've thought about since I texted you earlier today. <laughs> Interesting. Do you use aftermarket non-Leica lenses on your Leica gear? Oh, my goodness. What do I use? Voigtlander 21. I have one of those. And I'm trying to think if I've tried anything else that I've loved. I think that's it. I really think that's it. I have the 40 millimeter Voigtlander 1.4 knocked on classic because I like it as a one-stop faster lens to use on the Leica CL. Got it. If I don't want to stick the 35 millimeter Sumalux on here, it is lovely, by the way, and cheap. And of course, I have my latest acquisition, which is the Serenar Canon, which I love quite a lot. Yeah. Um, I love how it looks, and I love how it shoots, and it's beautifully engineered. And that is it. Yeah. Again, don't have a lot of gear. Yep. Do not have a lot of gear. All right. As we round out, <laughs> this has gone very fast. Very interesting. Are you going to buy another Leica body? And if so, which one do you have your eye on? Okay. So let's talk about Juan at Beers and Crammers, who's a pusher. <laughs> and uh, let's talk about Juan. And there's another there's another story. But Juan's amazing. I got to meet him for the first time at Beers and Cameras and the Darkroom event. So much fun. Such a great time. And all he did was casually put this older Leica SL medium format in my hand. Mm. He goes, yeah, go shoot with oh, it. No. Go shoot a little. Go oh, shoot a little. No. So I look through it, and I'm just going, damn you. Like, I just, like, I was like, one. Um, it was uh, spectacular. It was wow. beautiful, and it felt more comfortable to me. And I'm looking right through the lens, sort of, you know. And yeah. it was terrific. And his photographs. That is a medium format digital camera. Yeah. Am I yep. correct about yep. that? And there's an SL2, yep. but there's also the SL. The SL original one is less money now. and But he, he said you can put all your M lenses on it. Yeah. And you can put all your R lenses on it. So that was, you know, that was amazing. And then the other little tidbit that I'll tell you that just <laughs> happened was that Trev Lee, who we all know and love, Trev Lee saw my collection of Roloflexes, and he said, you know, would you ever be willing to trade an M5 for one of your Roloflex cameras? I said, oh my gosh, I would love that. He goes, I go, but before you even talk about it, I'm going to send you two. Uh, I sent him a 3.5 and a 2.8C up to Sacramento, and he tried them out, and he loved them, and we traded. And so he's sending back the 3.5 he kept the 2.8 and an m5 so that's coming in the next couple of days i've never so it's inbound yeah, so it's like inbound. a 13 <laughs> is coming your way yes but it was a trade wow. it's like couldn't be more i know fun. like i love that trades. is so great yeah so i'm that very great i'm very oh, so excited. that's inbound all right we're gonna hear about that in a yeah. future episode yeah. i'm excited yeah i'm gonna want to play with that too by okay, the way i'm sure. just, just warning you sure i think if i were ever going to get another one i would get that LHSA black paint guy. Of course. You'd want something fancy pants. I think so. I mean, I had a whole plan to do a long rant during this episode about all the commemorative editions, the Sultan of Brunei edition. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be cynical. Okay. I'm going to say that those have their place and they can be fun. And if you want to paint gold ones. like a neon green, do it. Uh, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> but what about the gold ones? The gold Leicas? Oh, Any of those? Those are there's some real ones. Oh yeah. It doesn't work for me yeah. because it's you're never going to be out shooting with it. Like the <laughs> thing about the LHSA is I would go out and shoot it in the hopes that the black paint will wear away to reveal brass and be pretty. Right. Because that is really what I think I want. I want a black paint Leica where the paint wears away. And looks pretty. Oh yeah, not the fake Lenny Kravitz one, where they've done it with There's an emery board. The f- a fake few. There's a few fake. Yeah. ones. There's actually people on eBay that are doing it themselves, which I'm going. To yes. Stop. I don't want that. Stop. I don't want that. I don't want anything like that. Making I want me crazy. one that is legit, worn in a legit way, or I do the wearing. Right. But see, the problem, Gabe, is I have a Canon EF that I've owned for 40 years that's black paint that's not worn at all. So I'm not sure that I can count on. I just have to knock it into a wall a couple of times. It'll be fine. That's what I would do. But honestly, I am pretty happy with my ensemble right now, even though it's a a mere three cameras, Gabe. (laughs) I'm pretty happy. Uh, Maybe I'll be thinning out my Leica collection, but... I yeah, maybe we'll Marie Nikondo that group. That will be a tough one. Obviously, listen, because we're we're coming up on the end of our hour with you guys. Obviously, there's more here than we thought. <laughs> we didn't even get to the new Leica toy bear that came out this week. Oh my goodness! Did you see that thing? Yep. We didn't even get to that. There's a Leica. Leica manufactures a bear that looks like it has a camera in its belly. <laughs> oh my goodness i gotta bring my Leica sign out all that right. you've made me want to okay yeah all right well we'll do a sequel let's hear from you guys about your opinions about Leica. do you own it do you want it do you think it's an enormous hustle that has nothing right. to do with quality are the Leicas of today worthy as compared to the Leicas of the past to carry on that name is it just fashion What's your opinion? If it was a hustle, I've been hustled, y'all. just so you're clear. Yeah, you're I, have, to I, the max. I have literally been hustled to the max. <laughs> but thank you for spending this hour with us, everybody. This has been amazing. I've learned so much about my podcasting partner <laughs> in the course of this hour. Oh. Um, as usual, you can contact us through our Gmail address, idreamofcameras at gmail.com. I'm S. Jeff Greenstein on the Instagram. Gabe is Gabe Sachs on the Instagram. And of course, we are I Dream of Cameras on Instagram. Please follow all of the above. Yes. And thank you, of course, to Keith Greenstein, who has made us have a look, which is very exciting. Yeah. And Fred Corey for his Leicas and his musical oh. talents. And couldn't be more excited about that. Yes. All right. Well, join us in two weeks for another pulse-pounding episode (laughs) of I Dream of Cameras. And Gabe, take us out of here. Any final thoughts? Yes. This is my thought. If you see a beat-up Leica, I'm talking about with dents and dings and on and on, but it works perfectly, just get it, because it'll make you crazy. It will. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, y'all. See you in a couple weeks. (laughs) 